1: Hello, you're listening to me, Liz Earle, with Wellness with Liz Earle, and following on from the absolutely riveting in-depth chat we had with Helen Browning, today I'm continuing our discussions on sustainable organic food production, and I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Joanna Lewis to my wellbeing studios. Joanna is the Strategy and Policy Director for the Soil Association's Food for Life, A national program all about making good food more easily available to everyone whoever and wherever you are Joanna you are so welcome thank you for following on from Helen thank you for inviting me so tell us a little bit about food for life what is it and what do you do with it Food for Life started
0: out um, more than 14 years ago, very much inspired by a, a dinner lady called Jeanette Ory, who went on to inspire Jamie Oliver. Absolutely. Uh, many <laughs> may be familiar with Jamie's series and everything that he's done for school food, but it all started with this rather special dinner lady who decided, in her own primary school in Nottinghamshire, uh, that she'd had enough of opening packets and just serving up processed food to children and she took uh, the food back in-house and she served seasonal, fresh, local and organic food and she proved it was possible and she brought that to the Soil Association all those years ago and together we created this campaign uh, called Food for Life and it was basically saying uh, we can't afford for children to be growing up. Uh, with the normality of regularly eating processed food every day uh, and not having any idea where their food's from. Mm. Uh, And it started out as a campaign. It was an inspiration to Jamie Oliver. Uh, It very much then became about well, let's just crack on and make this happen. So in all the years since that time, and thanks to generous funding from the lottery uh, and now really the the public health uh, community getting behind this as well as all our generous supporters, uh, we're working in over 10,000 primary schools uh, in it England. So it's been a, a really exciting journey. It's when I joined about 11 years ago, just as we were getting that early lottery funding, and it's been so exciting to see it uh, scale up and start to make a difference to
1: so many children's lives. So what does it mean in practice? What, what, What happens if Food for Life goes into a school? Well it all started with transforming that food on the menu and
0: trying to make sure it was freshly prepared, that uh, the chefs in the schools had the skills they needed to cook from scratch and not just open packets. And we have a, a certification scheme for caterers providing school meals, but now also food in hospitals and care settings and nurseries. Even the National Trust has gone for our Food for Life oh, service. really, so yeah. you don't have to be a primary school? Not at all. No, <laughs> it's scaled up beyond that, which is brilliant because we just need to make good food normal and easy mm. and fun everywhere where people live out their daily lives. Um, so it's fantastic to have organisations like the National Trust getting behind this and lots of workplaces as
1: well. Uh, so yes, it's about uh, certifying that the food is freshly prepared. Uh, it's is local. that all of it? I mean, do you have different levels of, or boundaries? What, how, you know, how, how far do you have to go to grow your own? Do it's you? stepping stones. One of the things okay. that, that the Soil Association realised, we
0: really need to start where people are and make it easy. So we have bronze, silver and gold stepping stones. Uh, so uh, 10,000 primary schools out there, 1.7 million meals every day are served at least to the bronze standard. So that means that uh, at least 75% of the food on offer has been freshly prepared from scratch um, and that... uh, So it doesn't have to be organic? It doesn't have to be organic. That Mm, starts kicking at the silver and gold and we've found that actually those who um, perhaps uh, weren't uh, already part of that organic community mm. um, have been brought on board by Food for Life, where it's about this broad vision of food. People who care passionately about nutrition, about local sourcing, mm. uh, come on board with Food for Life, and very soon they're on that organic journey too. Mm. So locality is part of it as well, is it? It's very important. So again, at the silver and gold levels of the scheme, we've got over a million meals a day at that silver and gold level. Good um, we have You must be so proud. Very, pr- <laughs> very proud, but <laughs> it would be very wrong me to be standing here saying how proud I am and taking the credit because what this means in practice is all those school cooks, all mm. those suppliers, all those actually the big contract caterers too who, who've who got behind this um, and started to make it make it the norm for, for school food um, and all those suppliers and producers
1: obviously who are making this food available um, into the supply chain. So and although it sounds a together? lot, it's probably only a relatively small percentage, is it, of, of the number of school meals being made?
0: Well, it, it, 10,000 primary schools is actually half the primary schools in England. So um, we That's have a made a huge stride. Yeah. Where it feels like there's um, so so far still to go is with hospitals. And, you know, we all have our own experiences of hospital food, which rarely measure up to what we feel hospitals should be in terms oh of beacons goodness. of good food and that, that really positive food experience for, it's for patients. It's just
1: shocking, isn't it? It's just sugar and beige food, it seems to be, that's being served. And too often um,
0: for, for staff as well who are mm. in there day in, day out, oh um, God, left to order a pizza and, and, at night. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: long-term You know, nursing staff, what they have to sustain themselves. Yeah, so we're working with we are
0: working with seventy NHS trusts now. That is a drop in the ocean. There are um, uh, yeah, there are a couple of thousand hospitals that we need to be working with, mm. um, but it's a great start. And these are hospitals who are serious about becoming beacons of good food. So it is about the food for patients, and they're trying to achieve our food for life served here standards. Is that the same as the schools? Is it the same? criteria that 70 percent specially made right that's okay. right and again they're moving on to the local and organic sourcing mm-hmm. so but it also goes uh, extends to
1: a whole hospital approach so looking at the vending uh, looking at the... the vending machines you know i recently had an experience with visiting somebody in hospital and you know it's a traumatic time and you you know your stress levels are quite high you need a bit of nourishment you want to be able to take some decent food to the person that you're seeing and the vending machine options were beyond shocking they were things that I would never normally eat, let alone give somebody who was sick. <laughs> I know, and it's not the message that a hospital should be sending out. So all- why is that? Why have we got to this stage where such... I'm not going to say the word crap. Yes, I am, actually. But why is it allowed to be sold in a place that's involved with health care and getting people well? I think that what's happened with hospitals is the food, unfortunately, has become... Uh,
0: separated from the clinical uh, purpose of of the hospital around health, it's become uh, just something for facilities management and so it's just a, a, a it's merchandising. Yeah, yeah, it's money an making. earner for a, for an NHS that is you know struggling to make ends meet.
1: So how do, you, how do we change that though? Because then I mean, you've got to change departments, haven't you, and actually take vending out of. Um, logistics or you know services or whatever it is and, and put it into a different sector in, into catering or part of healthcare.
0: there is some leadership starting to happen from the top within the NHS on this and sugary drinks will start to be taken out of hospitals um, going forward but we're still at the moment uh, seeing these vending machines stuffed full of chocolate bars you know just under the the sign to the dietetics department in the hospital <laughs> you can't um, make it up can you I really know, I know. there's
1: bags of crisps and and family size packets of yeah uh, junk chocolate, not even... You know, good stuff. Back when in 2013,
0: the Soil Association produced a report called "Not What the Doctor Ordered," and mm. it was very much that sort of exercise in photojournalism, if you like, juxtaposing mm. you know these um, the signage in a hospital around dietetics and uh, nutrition with the reality of vending machines and McDonald's and directions being given uh, to different places in the hospital in, in relation to the Burger King, and uh, oh, and it really gosh. again. We, yeah. But then we wanted to move not just uh, from into that campaigning space, but then Into working with hospitals to say Mm -hmm. we can help you sort this out. So Um,
1: actually, practically offering the way forward or one solution. Yes, and it's it's
0: so it is about. Working with the trust to to show how it has been done elsewhere and and give them the confidence to make changes, but it's also about um, going beyond just the food that's on offer in the hospital and thinking about well hospitals have they've got grounds they can be, host community gardening projects mm, um, hospital farmers' markets you know let's try and support hospitals to send out a really positive message about what mm, good food means mm. and and we're starting to see that happen around the country uh, Warwick hospital i was uh, I was in last week, and again that's one place where it, it feels like it's really coming together and it's exciting to see that but we have all too few examples uh, at the moment and that's that's the next frontier
1: for food for life so what about cost I think a lot of people will be thinking well that's all very well but you know both education and healthcare is so cash strapped Mm. how do you make that work when you go in to, to present to an organization one of the things I'm
0: most proud of is that the Food for Life gold standard has been achieved in some of the most disadvantaged uh, boroughs and authorities. So, Tower Hamlets School Meal Service uh, has the Food for Life gold standard school meals. That is incredible. Oldham in, in Manchester. And again, what do you have to do to be gold standard? Uh, So you have to be spending at least uh, 15% or or more of your ingredient spend on organic. You have to be um, really investing in uh, local producers. You have to be doing uh, really going beyond in terms of making healthy eating easier. Um, Mm. And high welfare as well. At least 5% of the spend has to be on uh, free range meat. So we see uh, free range chicken and pork on the menu for the first time and that becoming the norm. So really great high standards in terms of fresh nutrition high-welfare uh, sustainable food being achieved in some of these uh, most disadvantaged boroughs. Now, that would not be the case uh, if this was costing them an arm and leg more than they'd been spending before. Sure. So, what we've been able to show through our team of Food for Life uh, advisors who go out, they can replan those menus so that it's not perhaps the chicken breast, it's a different cut, or looking at the balance of different mm. things on the menu. So, there are savings we can help them make as mm. well as then increasing the quality of that food, spending more on quality ingredients.
1: And do you get involved with nutritional guidelines? Do you have policies on things like fat and sugar and salt content? What we do is we uh, we make sure that the most widely
0: accepted national nutrition standards for schools, for early years, care settings, etc., are at the heart of our Food for Life Served Here scheme. But we don't think they go far enough, and we supplement, mm-hmm. complement them with that emphasis on fresh, not processed, um, right. on moving to or yeah more seasonal uh, food and trying to avoid, to some extent, um, too much of a focus on nutrients, as opposed to a good balance of, of, of healthy food, a healthy balanced diet. Um, and again, what's been so encouraging is we've been able to establish this broader definition of good food. So it's not just about uh, calories or, or nutrients, yeah. but it is about um, where has that food come from, how has it been produced, and is there a healthy and sustainable diet uh,
1: being mm. represented by what's on the menu? And how do we sell that in? Because you know, presumably we're talking potentially about seeing some actual physical benefits. I mean, do do you find that? you know attention rates in children are are greater or or are there any other sort of tangible um differences that you can point to Well, this is probably the moment to say that our work with schools in particular goes
0: wider than what's on the menu. So we take uh, what we call a whole school approach to food. So we're changing not just the food environment that these children are exposed to, but the food culture. And that's very much about giving children that hands-on experience of cooking food, of of growing uh, fruit and vegetables, of visiting the farms where that food is produced. It captures their hearts and minds and Mm. it really does work. So we've had a very robust uh, evaluation done by the University of the West of England. Uh, Our hearts were in our mouths when we commissioned it because it it, uh, is a very rigorous measure and they took uh, schools that were food for life awarded schools which there are over a thousand where they're doing that whole school approach and they compared uh, pupils' responses around uh, what they were eating with those from pupils in matched comparison schools. So maybe with similar levels of disadvantage and all the other factors controlled and they found that pupils in food for life awarded schools were twice as likely to eat their five a day uh, and a third less likely to eat no fruit and veg at all so what we've been able to to say is that well if every primary school was a food for life awarded school Mm. then a million more children would be eating their five portions of fruit and vegetables a day and a hundred thousand fewer children would be eating no fruit and veg at all and so it could make a difference to that many that many children's lives and Mm. that's really um that's really
1: galvanizing and that's a great um a, a great vision for everyone to be to be getting behind And of course we know that the more fruits and veg that are being eaten, the greater nutritional quality of the diet potentially the greater attention span better health outcomes in later life you know we're, we're facing a you know diabetes crisis in the healthcare system that's
0: right i th- i believe that uh, 10% of the nhs budget is now spent on diabetes and that has doubled in a decade
1: oh, Tw- doubled in a decade <laughs> in i a mean decade. how are we going to sustain that in the future well we're not <laughs>
0: and there is absolute recognition of that um, in the rhetoric from from the nhs and its leadership that uh, we need a ramp upgrade in prevention and public health prevention is Mm. better than cure but at the same time uh, there isn't the investment happening in prevention in fact we're seeing Mm. uh, annual public health budget cuts uh, and that uh, is something that I'm afraid the government is getting away with because the local authorities hold those public health budget cuts. It's all too easy to make cuts to local authorities. Um, But what it means in practice is it is starving programmes like Food for Life who do rely on funding from public health to make all this really fantastic work happen with children. Um, So if we are to achieve that vision of every primary school being able to give every child the best possible start to their food journey, uh, we really do need to find a way to make it possible for every school to take part in this. And that's partly through trying to influence the government to put their money where their mouth is on prevention. But it's also looking to all those
1: other uh, funders and supporters who can really get behind their local schools and make this happen in their local area. Mm. So anybody listening should be campaigning if Food for Life isn't running in your school, in your hospital in your, Did you mention care homes as well? Is this another area where you work? Yes, thanks to lottery funding uh, we're now taking this work
0: into care settings and there's a lovely example um, Inchview care home in Edinburgh we've been working with over a couple of years now uh, and there we've been able to link the care home with the local secondary school uh, Liberton High School and the students have come in and they've helped build a wheelchair accessible polytunnel so the residents can get involved in all weather food growing they've accompanied them on a visit to a local organic farm Uh, again we've been able to achieve the food for life uh, silver standards for their menu and we've seen uh, a hugely positive effect on the residents so uh, actually one of the residents um, uh, who uh, had been exhibiting symptoms of dementia was so improved by his whole involvement with this he was able to go home, which was unprecedented. And his wife said, I feel like I've got my husband back. Um, so the therapeutic value of some of these food activities in, in care homes, the cooking, the growing, et cetera, is really, really important. Uh, and again, we're, we're delighted that the lottery's got behind this and we're
1: hoping that some of that good practice will now be spread more widely. It's so inspiring listening to everything that can happen if, if somebody is listening to this and thinking, right, OK, I'm going to do this now. What's, how do they make it happen in their community? Well, what would be
0: fantastic is if uh, listeners could go onto the Food for Life website and find out is their school, uh, their child's school of Food for Life school? Right, first uh, point. Parent mm-hmm. power is what uh, yep. what we need now. Uh, really trying to get schools involved with that wider vision around getting the kids cooking and growing and linking with farms and having that really rich food experience that does translate into good eating habits for life. Mm-hmm. So on our Food for Life website parents can just type in their, uh, their local school or their child school and find out uh, do they have a food for life menu already remember half of primary schools do this is
1: not a big challenge right. necessarily yeah okay. um uh, not too stretching an ask of your of your head teacher and not expensive because i think you know people are worried that they're going to be asking for things that are going to you know go over budget again we can show the examples and the, the the website's stuffed
0: with examples of mm-hmm. of schools um who've made this happen even in the most disadvantaged right. areas. and what happens if you
1: haven't got a kitchen i know some schools have lost their kitchens food for life is still possible we know
0: um there are enough number of schools more secondary schools than primary schools but who still don't have a, a kitchen or who lost them they became IT suites in the right. 90s <laughs> um yeah. but uh it is possible uh, to achieve food for life uh award in your school where that that uh, food can be supplied from a, a local school that's freshly
1: preparing, mm. um, or from a local hub. We've got lots of examples of where that's possible. Brilliant. And then at a policy level, looking at sort of government level, what should we be lobbying for? What, you know, do you have any words of wisdom for anybody involved in the public sector who's listening? Well, it's two things really. Um, we are worried about the trend
0: for. Uh, the catering contracts that go out the tenders that go out from the public sector local authorities and nhs trusts local authorities on behalf of schools um, increasingly giving a greater weighting to cost or Mm. least cost than quality and while we've shown that you can achieve these uh, ambitious food for life standards uh, in a fairly cost neutral way what what it can't survive is a, a race to the bottom a, a rush to least cost solutions so it's so important we've heard from Michael Gove the new Secretary of State uh, for the Environment Food and Rural Affairs uh, that uh, he believes in putting our values on the plate good British values mm. uh, so we need to hold the, hold the government to account on mm. that and say make sure
1: that actually by stealth uh, we're not having a race to the bottom on this we but really also need to move forward. And, and looking at the cost in its fullest sense So yes, it might be a 5p cheaper meal in a school, but the long-term effect of that care for a diabetic person in later life is, is astronomical. So it's the true cost, isn't it? The true cost of food. That's absolutely right. It's just joining up, which always seems to be such a challenge for government. Mm.
0: Um, but if you, yeah, if you try to take cost out of the system in, in uh, school meals, food procurement, it's such a false economy because we are going to see an NHS that's becoming bankrupt over the next uh, decade, even with the, wa- the rates at which the mm. uh, rates of diabetes and obesity are, are going up. We cannot afford not to invest in our children's health and that's a message that needs to come through uh, from the voters and from those anyone out there with with a little bit of influence Uh,
1: the government needs to put its money where its mouth is on prevention and public health Brilliant, Joanna it's absolutely fantastic to have you, thank you so much For sharing all of that. And don't forget, if you would like the podcast programme notes from today with all the details of everything that we've been talking about, and also actually from my earlier episode with the Soil Association's chief executive, Helen Browning, then all you need to do is head over to lizardwellbeing.com and you'll find them all there. Simply sign up to my weekly wellbeing newsletter and you'll get automatic free access to these notes together with a weekly mini feast of well-being recipes, pretty healthy, exclusive offers and event preview details. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already done so, so you don't miss a single riveting episode. And oh, do please leave me a review if you fancy. I really do love to read your comments and I do think it helps to inspire and to encourage others to tune in, spread the word on a range of such important subjects. If you've yet to join in, also do follow my team and me on the Liz Earle Wellbeing magazine page on Facebook. You'll also find us on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can find me personally, if you fancy, on Twitter and on Instagram, where you'll find me simply Liz Earle Me. Until next time, thank you for joining with us today. Go well for now, and bye-bye.